break, draft, trade. So today we're discussing the difference between redraft and win now. So redraft as in not building for future, right, right. And then win now as in building enough to win, but yet still keeping future years. Well said. We'll clip that right into where it needs to go. Let's get started. <laughs> this is our last podcast before preseason starts. Tomorrow. Yep. Yep. From this point going forward, a lot of it will be kind of reacting to a little bit of that, plus whatever else. Broken news. Sprinkled in. Sprinkled. There's like a whole bunch of things that have happened as far as broken news. Navigate through them. We can talk about how, you know, it's redraft season, though. This is a nice podcast. We're going to navigate the broken news and kind of tell you how you should be looking at it in a win now approach. I really don't want to go into like a whole ton of redraft, but it's like going into your dynasty draft with the redraft rankings and saying, I'm going to try to win now isn't the way to do it. And I want to talk about the players that are different and how to win now wisely. Teaser segment. Booms and busts. It's a quickie. It sounds like a lot of fun. Oh my god, like, I'm gonna be a hot mess. Break, draft, trade. Mm-hmm. Well, lots of good feedback on the last... I mean, each week it gets better, but the last one people seem to really enjoy the mock draft, so... Mike, that's a good thing, Mike. Are they sending you weird emojis? <laughs> no, 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 we're good there. <laughs> that Seatho guy likes me because I'm from St. Louis. Yeah, he does. Oh my god. So, Seatho, I have to give him a shout-out. I told him I would. He is loving the pod. I figured this might give him some redraft information today, even though... Are you even recording? Yes, I'm recording. Okay, all of us are. Are you recording, Mike? Uh, I think so. You were late to the party, Mike. Uh, <laughs> do you want to start with the broken news and then work your way into the redraft versus when now? Or? Well, should we could just do like a mock, like of everybody over 26. <laughs> like, you could just set it by age. We'll just do it that way. That's sexy 26 to 45 range. <laughs> yes. <laughs> The Zach Wilson uh, oh, yeah. stage. I don't know if you guys saw, but I think it's going to be really cool. Rogers recorded a podcast with someone. I, I think it's cool, but I also follow Rogers more in the Packers stuff. So. I loved Aaron Rodgers, and then I found out he was dating Danica Patrick, and I decided he was incapable of making good decisions. And then he dumped her, and I was like, completely redeemed. And then I liked him again. You're redeemable. <laughs> You're totally redeemable. I told you, Nick. You pissed me off. And then, you know, I give you one more chance. Cam Newton ran out of those a long time ago. No, he's not redeemable. <laughs> no, 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 no. Let's not. That podcast with Danica Patrick and Rogers is really funny. Stop it. Baker's going to be amazing. Mm-hmm. Baker's going to be like the okayest. Mm-hmm. I the okayest. Yeah, he's going to be, like, backing up Darnold until week four. Fine! I'm sorry! You tried to die on me a week ago. I'm sorry. I'm a little bit uptight. (laughs) You know me, though. Like, I am the most anxious drafter ever, and I'm like... Just get super drunk. I'm I'm gonna. Like, my team is going to be ridiculous. I'm probably drafting Gronk. I'm probably drafting Drew Brees. (laughs) Watson in the third. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's gonna be a fun one. <laughs> I had to. <laughs> what is that? What's what? Energy. Smart energy. Nice. C4. It's eight, almost 8 o'clock. How are you gonna go to bed? I'm not. What? He's like 16 years old. He doesn't sleep. 
most heavily bearded 16 year old. Teenagers are supposed to sleep like 12 hours. <laughs> they sleep in the middle of the morning. They sleep in the afternoon. <laughs> Wake up. It's nocturnal. Well, no, well, good luck. I have no idea how you're gonna navigate this, but we're gonna have fun. And like, I, my brain is like fried this week. Run through it, we're gonna talk through and then loose to the broken news segment. Broken news. Broken news, pre-preseason, redraft first window. Okay, let's do this. Three, two, one. Welcome back to the Rank Draft Trade Podcast. We are happy you have tuned in to this episode where we have different things to talk about today. We're gonna start with some broken news and we're gonna move into talking about drafting between Redraft and Win Now Dynasty League. So that should be pretty interesting to listen to these guys talk about. Speaking of these guys, let's introduce our three fantasy brains. We've got the magic Mr. Mike, Papa Bear Claw, say hi. Hello, I'm now very exciting. <laughs> Papa, you're you're very exciting, and you're our king of sarcasm, so we do enjoy that. <laughs> we don't have Clark Kent in the room, although he could probably put his glasses on quickly, so we'll just call him Superman. Henry St. Clair, say hello to your fans. Hello to my fans, or hello to your fans, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> and for those of you who can't see Henry, he has decided he's growing out a beard, so he's mm. it's apparently trying to join the other two. And get a haircut, so there you go. And he got a haircut. Got a so he has no something about merry hair today. Looking lavish. A haircut? A bowl cut? What did you do? Why is the top longer? Oh, no, no. He's, mm. he's high and tight. High and tight? <laughs> high and tight. Nah. And the man with a fabulous beard and super cute curls. My fantasy husband, Nick James, say hello. I don't <laughs> believe in a haircut and I haven't touched a blade to my face since I was a teenager. So glad to see Henry joining us bearded brethren. Yes, and y'all be happy to know I am not growing out my beard. <laughs> <laughs> Way to be different, queen. <laughs> yes, and I am the host of the Rank Draft Trade podcast because I have not been fired yet. I'm still here. Gina Noble. So let's get into some broken news. Do we have like a da-na-na, da-na-na? Or am I not allowed that to use that? Da-na-na. Is that copyrighted? Yeah, yeah. We, we just got sued. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Broken news brought to you by other people. We need a broken news song to break mm-hmm. the news. It's Henry saying broken news. Yeah, okay, broken do it, news. Henry. Broken news from last week. Yes. From, from last All week. All right, let's cut, let's cut out the part that we might get sued on. So let's start. <laughs> I'm not actually trying to get fired, but I might. Sorry, your podcast been copyright claimed. <laughs> Listen, I am not the best at singing, so maybe they just won't recognize it. That's, yeah, so you can do the dun dun dun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and then we're good. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a completely yeah, different podcast. Tone. Broken news. RDT gets sued. <laughs> dun 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 dun. We haven't been sued yet for my Ring the Bell song, and I've sang that plenty. <laughs> I think the singer is dead, so they yeah, won't know. Yeah. <laughs> Still listening. All right, Julio goes to the Bucks. 
So they have added wide receiver Julio Jones into the wide receiver core for the Buccaneers. Where do we feel that puts Julio? How does that affect Evans, Godwin? Who's the other guy over there? The one that I picked for the Scott Fishbowl and I can't even gauge. Gage. Is it Russell Gage? Yeah. Where are we feeling Julio? What's his value here? Hard to gauge. <laughs> Ba-bum Chang. <laughs> Man, we're starting this pot off with a pun. We're starting it off right. <laughs> So it's hard to gauge. As a probably often injured wide receiver three on that team, that's going to have a few boom weeks for you. I mean, a late round pick earlier than where he was going. So not like your last two rounds, a little bit earlier than that. But realistically for me, the last opportunity to unload any Julio I still have for something of value. Mm-hmm. I mean, is he fitting into the Antonio Brown place or <sighs> not so much? Not, I don't really see that happening anymore. I see him putting up a few weeks and then he just keeps getting like soft tissue injury after soft tissue issue injury versus hurting something and then missing several weeks and you know he still has the upside to give you a 20 point week here and there maybe you know a decent late round pick in a best ball league but he's just not going to be somebody I'd be able to consistently start so like what's the value for a guy when you won't know when to play him when he's going to get hurt how many games he's going to play like how do you like fit that onto your roster yeah yeah good point great best ball guy Henry where do you see Julio fitting in um you know I think it dings Mike uh, Mike Evans 20 touchdowns season that some were projecting. <laughs> I need you to not talk bad about yeah. Mike Evans right now. <laughs> Don't make me reach through this screen. <laughs> well, we saw last year players like Cyril Grayson put up like 25-point games when they play. So when Julio's healthy and he's on the field, he's still Julio Jones. Uh, he's definitely lost a step, but he's Julio Jones. So this is where we call in Tanya Harding. Yeah, right. <laughs> or my Scott Fishbowl League. <laughs> Wait, I got a question. How is the guy who can't catch touchdowns going to ding Mike Evans from 20? Yeah, it's Mike Ev- or, uh, Matt Ryan can't throw touchdowns. Oh, yeah. He, he, he had like 20 off last year. People like to forget that. They're like, he's a huge upgrade over Wentz for fantasy. It's like, mm, you're not going to like having him for fantasy. Yeah. You're going to you're gonna like it, but you're not going to love it. Matt Ryan can't throw touchdowns. Look who he was throwing to. Yeah, Russell Gage. Yeah. <laughs> Russell Gage. Maybe the fourth option on the Bucks, and he was just the one. Yep. Nick, we've got Mike, who thinks he's not going to be super well relevant. Henry, who thinks he's taken away touchdowns from Evans where do you stand I think this is one of those that shows the difference between like a redraft to win now and a rebuild approach like with rebuild you want nothing to do with Julio Jones this is something that's going to be just useful for this year I spent over half of my offseason waiver budget on him in one league where he was available still I think there's at least a chance that he's relevant for fantasy all the way up to redraft for this season but as Mike has said what for two games there's obviously injury concerns but remember when ab was washed up mm-hmm. and then he went to the bucks and had a career resurgence at an older age welcome to town julio it's not extremely difficult to imagine a scenario where julio is really useful for this year maybe not like the julio of old but julio who probably should be in your starting lineups more weeks than not for a good portion of the season there's always the oh i don't know 
know if Godwin gets re-hurt. Prime Julio is clearly better than Gage. We'll see if Julio's better than Gage for now, but if Godwin is missing games at the beginning of the season, Julio's out there right now in training camp, making catches, doing things. So for me, it falls to a range where it's like, do I want Chris Evans or do I want Julio? Julio might be worth something this year, but then obviously probably nothing next year. Chris Evans, a handcuff at best. You know, uh, I probably want Julio if I have a chance to win this year yeah. over something where it's like a cuff with like Chris Evans where he might not even be the backup to Mixon. Could be Samaj P. Ryan in a really irritating, nonsensical fashion. But picking between him and like Donovan Peoples-Jones, I'd rather have the shot of Julio cracking my lineup. Because like the league where I picked him up have a couple of wide receivers that are worth starting every week and a whole bunch of guys that are going to need some time. So it's like I really need somebody else who plays the wide receiver position who I can feel good about starting. And I think Julio at least presents that opportunity for a win-now team, though it is temporary. Could be something that helps, cracks your optimal lineup on at least a, a handful of weeks, if not most of them. It is a real-world scenario where Julio is the wide receiver three on the Bucks, not getting covered by the top two options. Just puts up a huge season this year. Maybe it's Brady's last year. Maybe they kind of go all out. Maybe he does have like an Antonio Brown type like resurgence here. That, I mean, that could definitely happen. I just, not what I'm betting on. Iowa mentions it a lot when we debate Will Fuller and Jess sometimes where Will Fuller's awesome when he's healthy. I know I can play him. And I think that's going to be Julio is when he's healthy. It's going to be probably one of them in my lineup over even like young, good players. Like if Julio's healthy and Elijah Moore's healthy, I'm probably playing Julio just because I think the Bucks are going to pass for more yards, have more scoring opportunities. But then when he's not playing, you know, it's not great. Last year, I did this a ton with Emmanuel Sanders, who was awesome for the first like half of the year. And then AJ Green as well had a couple flash games. It works well with our strategy, though, of where Mike will take five running backs in the first seven rounds or whatever. And then he's like, gosh, who am I playing at wide receiver three this week? Julio is your answer. Yeah, that's how I do a lot of my startups. I kind of lock up my quarterback and my running back, overload it running back mm -hmm. to the point where they're my flexes. And then my wide receivers are like seven darts, all like guys that, you know, have the wide receiver one, wide receiver two upside in those later rounds. Your Chark, your Galladay. Marshall. Marshall. <laughs> Marshall was a big guy in my flesh. Yep. Yeah, yeah, those did not work out. But like, you know what? I, I end up cutting a lot of those. They end up yep. freeing roster space, and I kind of end up building a team out of it and make moves to kind of, you know, fit the rest of the pieces. What do you think about Kyle Rudolph also being added? I like it. Sounds like he's the tight end one. Can't see Bray playing in the pass-catching role over him, and it's not like Rudolph's a hell of a blocker. Yep. Not Cade Otten season, whatever that guy's name is. Get it mm -hmm. right. Cameron Bray's the one that probably will see the ding. Yep, definitely. That's why dumpster diving in the offseason for tight ends is like, don't do it. Like, if you think you're getting the steal with Brevin Jordan or Tommy Tremble or Adam Troutman, somebody, Adam Troutman is a really good one. Last year. Jonu Smith last year even. It's like, unless you get one of the top, like, 12 tight ends, it's like kind of... Well, with Adam Troutman, at least there's the next best guy is Taysom Hill, who's recovering from injury, and Troutman is out here leading camp and catches. They just said it at tight end today. Mm -hmm. Who do they add? Herndon. Mm. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Another example of the garbage offseason tight ends yeah. who people are like, this guy is going to be something this, this year. This guy's replacing Irv mm -hmm. Smith. Yep. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so like Troutman last year, I got a lot of a lot of flack for, uh, I traded him away for like the 206 in a league and everyone's like, oh, he's the next I big thing. And I was in that. They're like, they're like don't you want to see if Troutman pays off? And you're like, he just did. Yep. <laughs> that was your line. You're like, he just paid off. And you were correct. <laughs>
Yeah, anytime you can sell on hype, it's like that's the time to. That's like the best part of the off season. Like a lot of people, are like oh, it's the dead season. Like no, it's not. You get like mm-hmm. you know five dollars for like ten cents sometimes because they think it'll be worth fifteen cents later. Like the hype just gets mm-hmm. out of control, and then people get lower on players from just like little bits of camp dues and coach speak. You know, like guys like Gibson, who was a second, third round startup pick, and you can get like the seven sometimes now. With Herndon, I'm not picking him up. No, this guy didn't even play snaps over Conklin last year, mm. and Conklin's only rostered in like 60-some percent of leagues, so it's got to be insanely deep for me to have any kind of interest there whatsoever. With Troutman, it's part of the reason why I don't draft or have just basically decided that I'm no longer drafting rookie tight ends is because it, it always seems to take a couple years, even if they're good. Mm. It takes a few years. Unless they're pits. Like, Njoku could finally break out this year, mm. you know, and we've liked him for forever, and you've been holding him for next to nothing if you have him and you held him from the day you drafted him. So with like Adam Troutman, it could be time, opportunity could be knocking right now for it, but not something I'm investing like a whole lot of anything of value into. It's just so much easier to get like a veteran tight end at this point, like especially if it seems like in a rebuilding thing, all of a sudden they got a guy that's like 28, 27, 29. Mm -hmm. They're not going to want him anymore. This is the time where you might even be able to get like Kelsey for cheaper if you're a win now team. Just there's no point in getting guys that you like at the tight end position, which is such a crapshoot, paying anything significant for these guys that people think are up and coming because they had a good practice against the third team. The irony of tight end and crapshoot is kind of funny. I don't want to like just <laughs> bypass that. And that's really what the middle is. And that's part of the reason why like they say stay out of the middle. You know, you draw your line, whether it be Schultz, Goddard, whoever, and then, or Fant even. And then after that, you might just let other people pay those price tags for him and then at the very end of your draft and this is how most of my drafts have gone this offseason last couple picks like two or three of them are tight end mm-hmm. it's like uh you know kyle rudolph was absolutely free in every single league a month yep. ago there's going to be guys like that every single year so as long as you just you know, take a couple darts there and then oh if oh somebody pops up like kyle rudolph you can drop that dart for him instead you figured out your tight end two your tight end three your tight end depth you don't need to draft for that you can find that really easily i mean ebron's probably one of them right now I mean, he's mm-hmm. bound to sign somewhere he could be the starting tight end for the giants in a week or two you never know and he's free he's probably on waivers hayden hurst last year was the guy that you did that with yeah another uh, favorite offseason sell of mine right now that is a guy that you will never be able to get anything for ever again is jeff wilson jr man every year he has like a two-week sell window and if you miss it you're holding the bag for a year and then it pops back up <laughs> take it take it while it's here Steelers wide receivers and quarterbacks I I'm not really sure what I'm looking at for broken news here sorry that's what we're all thinking okay. yeah Claypool hurt yeah okay how long is he hurt for they signed Jeremy McNichols didn't he just go on the IR or something or is that somebody else that's got a name like him hmm. yes on IR yes <laughs> yeah that's what I'm saying he just went on the IR mm-hmm. so yep flash in the pan there and then QBs it's like Rudolph looks like the best quarterback for the Steelers right now is the most recent beat report. Adam to your roster. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not going to be Mason Rudolph. So that's so quarterbacks 
position who's starting is still a little up in the air. Yeah, it's uh, bad for Pickett. I think Rudolph is like fake gold. Like, oh, I can find a quarterback. Fool's gold. Fool's gold. Yeah, fool's gold. What this really means is that Trubisky is not looking good. Or And that Pickett's not looking good, too. <laughs> well, it's understandable. But he's like 24. He was likely to be a guy that was going to sit for a year anyway. Why, though? He played five years in college. He did. This guy needs a break. It's not like he was in an early declare. He leaves from one half of the facility to enter the other half of the facility to become a Pittsburgh Steeler. Third string quarterback. Yeah, you'd think the transition would be quickly, but mm -hmm. a first round draft pick, you're not going to spend a first round draft pick on a quarterback who you're going to keep behind your third string quarterback after you sign Trubisky. So it's either Trubisky or Pickett, or if it's Rudolph, we're just waiting for someone else to take over. Right. If he's the starting quarterback week one, it's because he's the sacrificial lamb. Right. It's because he's going to be benched and it's going to happen very soon and they're not really confident in Trubisky. So even if Trubisky is next up, then he has an opportunity to lose that job. Mm. And then by then, hopefully Pickett's ready and then Pickett's in. <sighs> I'm not super excited about Rudolph. This isn't like Heineke of last year. No, but it could be like if someone gets hurt preseason, he just seems like someone that would be decent to have in your roster over a lot of these like USFL running back that was like going to sign with the Saints that was trending. Like yep. a quarterback to me is more valuable. Worth a shot. Yeah, Rudolph is just not the guy. I think I read a stat like that he only has produced like one. 100-yard receiver for a game. That makes sense. He's not good. Yeah, no, it's not exciting for the wide receivers and even Fryer Mouth or really anything about that team having Rudolph out there. I sincerely doubt that he is the starter, even as the sacrificial lamb. Yeah, don't hear what I'm not saying. Rudolph no. sucks. Yeah, he does. I know you I know you know that, but yeah. <laughs> things I take from it is this potentially creates an, an even cheaper buy window for Trubisky if you need a quarterback for a short period of time. Or Pickett, too. Yeah. Uh, Pickett, too. I mean, I honestly think Pickett's going to be end up being more of a taxi stash at this point, sitting for an extended period of time. Maybe they're going to run with Trubisky for the year even. Mm -hmm. Hopefully not longer, but yep. like Lance sitting behind Jimmy again this year. Or love behind Rodgers with the much shittier version of Rodgers. Three years. <laughs> Rudolph could be the red flag reindeer. <laughs> <laughs> Stop. I was waiting for a reindeer joke. Henry, were you uh, old enough to be there for when he was drafted when they had Farf? Uh, I was alive, but yeah. I didn't watch sports. Yeah. <laughs> Alive. I was like barely alive. Henry was being breastfed and in diapers. <laughs> but he remembers. Yes, he does. Pepperidge Farm remembers. He knows how tall he was. The same stuff going on with Love was going on with Rogers. Like, why did they draft this guy? They drafted him the first round. Like, this guy sucks. He's never going to play. It was a weird draft pick. And then after three years, then he finally played, and he was just, it was good. That's the hope is someone that has so much Jordan Love. I understand the camp reports have been somewhat negative with Pickett, mm -hmm. but there's been lots of good quarterbacks that have negative camp reports initially and it makes sense that the guy that's been on the team for a couple of years is looking more familiar with an, a brand new offense than a couple other people duh and at the uh, same time like when you're running a practice and you're trying to get the entire team together what better way to kind of like have like a productive practice for the whole team than the guy who knows the playbook in the system and knows the players he may not be the best mm -hmm. player for in the game he's probably not going to play in the game but he can run a practice scrimmage well mm -hmm. and actually execute the playbook. Mm -hmm. So you mean like Elijah Moore highlights with passes from Joe Flacco. <laughs> yeah, there we go. He knows the playbook. <laughs> oh, Joe. Let's just go down. We had some contracts signed, some players getting paid. I'm just going to list them off and then you guys can 
say what you want about those contracts. Uh, we have Metcalf, McLaurin, Debo, and Kyler all signing contracts and getting paid. Excellent. Awesome. <laughs> I find it funny that Henry used just like the intro in one of the previous podcasts that he was like, who will be the next big contract? Will it be Terry McLaurin, DK Metcalf, Debo Samuel, and then all of those players have been paid <laughs> since. All of the above. <laughs> and not Deontay Johnson. Yep, except Deontay Johnson. <laughs> yep, they saw it was coming with the Pickens draft pick. Although the Dotson draft pick kind of signaled the same thing for McLaurin, potentially. I'm going to have to start calling Henry like Nostra Clairvoyance or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It's almost like clairvoyance means exactly what you're trying to say. <laughs> I'm going to need you to start sending me some lottery numbers. Never wrong, just early. Right, That's kind of in my life catchphrase. It's like Diami Brown finally looking good. Remember what I said about him last year? I was like, this guy's not going to be good year one. He like is not a wide receiver yet. He just picked up the position mm-hmm. two years ago, mm-hmm. but he has the ability to be a really good athlete, a really good player eventually, and finally looking good, but he's buried on the depth chart. So That's a good perspective to have. Like, never that you never take really. an L, yeah. you just become a truther. Yep. <laughs> Total truther. It's a very narcissistic, arrogant uh, <laughs> way to look at things. I'm never wrong. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I'm never wrong. I'm just predicted it earlier than it was cool. Yeah, when Zach Wilson has a year nine breakout on his fourth different team, I will have called it. <laughs> Sam Darnold's breakout. <laughs> Henry was right. Yeah, I remember. Oh, my gosh. Pepperidge Farmer. <laughs> We just skipped over the extension stock. Oh, yeah, kind of. Yeah, crack jokes and moved on. Yeah, <laughs> we completely yeah. skipped I was it. like, all right, moving right along. <laughs> okay, so how did these extensions affect the players? Are these giving them bump-ups? I know Kyler Murray's a big one who was kind of had a step down because there was no contract. Now, all of a sudden, he's got that contract extension. Are we pushing him back up in the ranks? I think Kyler's probably pushing himself over Lamar. They were kind of pretty close rushing quarterbacks just after the first couple of quarterbacks. That probably pushed him up there, maybe over Burrow for some. I know the contract language made people a little weary, but mm-hmm. he got a lot of money out of the deal. Yeah, he's there. Decaf Metcalf. I mean, DK Metcalf. <laughs> he got he got a huge extension as well. He's just the, he was one of the guys that, like, is why I sell wide receivers that are taken in, like, the first round of startups when you can for tremendous value because there was mm-hmm. a big time when it was, like, DK Metcalf, first round, 12-team super flex, untradeable, worth several, several first round picks. You're not getting them off my team. Get a haul for them. And that's what I see with Chase and Jefferson. That's the absolute peak value of that player. And now he's fallen several rounds because he's got Drew Luck at quarterback. He needed an extension. Well, he's got the extension. And I think it's likely that Seattle ends up with a solid quarterback going into 23. So I still think this is going to be a big bump up for uh, DK. Maybe not right away, but as we get starting to get to next year, I think it'll end up doing that. Debo, same deal. Uh, worried about what's the situation going to be this year? Is he going to be playing running back and wide receiver again? Is he going to to another team how is he going to fit is he going to stay healthy again well he got the contract in san francisco if he can have any type of a role that he did last year i think that's great news for debo as long as he can stay healthy and on the field and mclaurin it's probably worst case scenario he's stuck in washington <laughs> with a couple other wide receivers there probably people are probably hoping he got traded to a better quarterback a better team maybe and that did not happen he's probably the only one that may have gotten hurt by an extension i thought Wentz was good though he is the best quarterback that mclaurin has ever had <laughs> and that's not saying much but i do like Wentz. This does not make me feel good about the McLaurin pick I just made recently. <laughs> you bagged it up with Wentz. I mean, imagine if like McLaurin went to like Indianapolis, what was like Pittman and McLaurin with Matt Ryan, Jonathan Taylor, that offensive line.
line that defense like that would have been so cool and instead we have a confusing offensive system a confusing coach you don't know what's going on with the running back situation you have McLaurin as the number one target who's playing a tight end is Dotson a value at 16 is Samuel going to play you really don't know what's going on over there and they always make it confusing every year I mean last year Antonio Gibson was the next coming of CMC and now he's nobody wants him even though he was a running back one last year some people won't trade a single first for him that's how much he's dropped like the whole system over there is just it's very confusing right now I have the Wentz McLaurin stack and it's gonna be bomb probably <laughs> it's gonna bomb one way or another <laughs> That's best ball too, right, Noble? That is best ball. It is best ball. So, you know. So, you get the spike weeks. Because yeah. if Wentz is going to spike, it's probably going to be when McLaurin spikes. And you're going to have both of them on your team. So, they're both going to be in your starting roster that week. It just might not be as many spikes as we would want. If Wentz is spiking, they probably won the game. So, you probably did a good one. Sweet. <laughs> but imagine if McLaurin got traded to Green Bay. Imagine if DK got traded to Green Bay. I think DK might have gotten the short end of the stick. Yeah. For this year, at the very least. Imagine if Green Bay traded for anyone or signed anyone of significance ever. Or acquired anyone ever. Yep. Yep. Besides Watson. <laughs> yep. Dubs. B dubs. Training camp star. Training camp star. Romeo Dubs. Yeah. Who else is on the field with him at a wide receiver right now? Don't know. Doesn't matter. Okay. I just wanted to clarify <laughs> that a little bit. It's not Christian Watson. He's on the pup. He is. He's a puppy. Mm -hmm. Debo, I think, uh, other than Kyler, obviously Kyler gets helped the most by the extension. Um, but I think Debo gets helped the most, right? McLaurin and Metcalf are going to get paid somewhere and like be the same player that they are. Debo staying in San Fran is best case for Debo's value with the extension because now that he's secured the money, he's like, you can use me however you want. Now that he got paid, he just didn't want to get used as a running back under a franchise tag or like without a commitment long term, which is understandable. Obviously, I would feel the same way probably. But now that he's paid, he's like, all right, I'm here. This is me. Said he was embracing the wide back position, has no problem with it now. Which is a total one. 180 from three months ago, which is awesome. Yeah, and that's fantastic for his value. Fantastic. He's going to be getting both of the carries. I love it as well. With Metcalf being paid, there's potential Jimmy G if certain stars align or potential upgrade next year. If certain stars align, we talked about last podcast. Bright future to look forward to. Just got paid, so you know at least he's going to be there for a while. Disappointing that it's obviously with like Locke or Geno Smith this year or hopefully Jimmy, but we'll see there. With McLaurin. I think it dings Dotson just a little bit. Mm. Kind of hope with Dotson that was baked into his value is that McLaurin gets traded and signed right. like Tyreek did this year. And then Dotson becomes a de facto number one on that team and then boom. Well, McLaurin, he got paid so at this point it's like Dotson could be a sweet complimentary too, but it's not as bright a future as I could have envisioned possibly occurring there. Debo getting paid, maybe Dings Ayuk, depending on how much you were baking in, Debo getting traded near value for Ayuk. I still think he's the best player on that team who's going to play a just wide receiver role because mm -hmm. Debo is obviously going to be used in uh, other ways. So I still like Ayuk basically as much as I did previously, just because I was assuming Debo was there, but potential ranking adjustment there with that. And then with Kyler, we haven't brought it up yet, but Marquise Brown facing off the field legal things. Apparently he was in like a Hollywood chase or... <laughs> <laughs> 
I don't know if he gets suspended. Yeah, he might not. Because we saw Melvin Gordon get a DUI like last year, and Josh Jacobs got a DUI, which to me is probably worse legally than speeding. I don't know exactly the yeah. judicial. Probably not a suspension, but maybe it's just possible. Yeah, I'd be pretty pissed if I got a suspension over a speeding ticket and other guys didn't over a DUI. It, that's criminal speeding, though. Criminal speeding is a felony charge, potentially. So It could be. They, he'll go to court and get it knocked he, down. He to faulty equipment. He probably will. He'll miss less games than a trace of performance-enhancing drugs that Hopkins got. <laughs> yeah. I mean, hopefully it dings his value a little bit even further. That'd be cool. Been getting him at a decent value in startups anyway. Mm-hmm. I was off last year when it was like, Rashad Bateman's just gonna murder Marquise Brown. He did. He kicked him <laughs> off the team. <laughs> Kyler has some receiving options that are gonna miss some games. So that's gonna be rough. Potentially, yeah. I don't know if that actually even dings Kyler, if it just means he runs more in those games with fewer runs more could help him i don't really know if that's a negative at all but uh. the, the fact that kyler got paid we know he's not going to baseball right now <laughs> you know it's great for kyler and i had talked about previously how i was trying to decide between him and lamar well he got paid first so as of right now you put me in a draft i'm taking kyler over lamar i love it for Ertz this season if marquis misses time Ertz has been like a tight end value for me all off season with the contract it's like when i look at tight ends every year it's pretty consistent you're like tight ends are inconsistent you never know who's going to be it's incredibly consistent when you look at who the best offenses are in football it's like give me the bills tight end the chiefs tight end the buccaneers tight end and the cardinals tight end you mean the ones that score the most touchdowns yeah the teams that score the most touchdowns are going to be just last year bills was just last year but that's also like just last year josh allen has only really had like one or two good fantasy years yeah but before that it was not great yeah nick you mentioned jimmy g we'll skip to him looking for a trade Lance has been named the starter. Mm-hmm. So maybe Jimmy in Seattle. It's about the only chair left in the game of musical chairs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're Texans. Barring an injury. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no matter where he goes, he's still the best looking quarterback in the NFL, just as an aside. But anyway. Yeah. That's a little weird. Did, did you see the Rogers <laughs> Con air? Come on. <laughs> yeah. Come on. Uh, <laughs> no. Jimmy G is still more gorgeous. <laughs> was crazy how much he looked like Nicolas Cage, by the way. Right? I was like, no, that's the same person. Most talented quarterback on and off the field. Yeah, speaking of Hollywood. Where's a white beater in Wisconsin? It was insane. Roger's just showing that he's a national treasure. Yeah. I love loved the who wore it best memes him and Nicolas Cage and I'm like dude that looks just like Nicolas Cage this is crazy. <laughs> I thought it was oh my I God. Rogers it was is, Rogers. Yeah. I, I had to do a double take. I was like that's not Aaron Rodgers. I'm like oh my god it's Aaron Rodgers. I also can't see so good but. <laughs> see I can see great and it looked just like Nicolas Cage. So what do you guys want to add about Jimmy and, and Lance quite frankly Lance is the starter. Lance is the starter. Well I've said it before that I like Trey Lance a lot and <laughs> It seems they are in agreement that they will pull the lance from the stone. Oh, my word. (laughs) So if things suck this year and he comes into next year, he's still younger than Kitty Pickett is coming into this season. Might be a decent amount of interceptions. Leagues that heavily penalized for interceptions. It could be a problem. Negatives with Trey Lance as far as, you know, passing accuracy. But he checks that rushing box. He checks the weapons box. This team is good enough box. Man. Dude is just barely 22. Yeah, I want to clarify. Two whole years younger than Kenny Pickett. <gasps> two whole years and Pickett still can't get out of third string at a 24-year-old. Henry, he's your 
age. Yeah, yeah. As far as Trey Lance, yeah, twenty four for Kenny Pickett, twenty two for Trey Lance. Yeah. <laughs> Javante Williams and Brees Hall are people around similar ADPs for Trey Lance. That's where I'm at now is, do I want Trey Lance and that rushing upside longevity youth over the youth and advantage of having a stud running back like Javante Williams or Brees Hall this year? At least potentially hopeful. Yeah, Javante, maybe Brees, I'd be hard-pressed just with how crappy the Jets could still somehow manage to be and maybe use a committee Mm -hmm. or something. Javante, at least we've seen proof of concept that he can handle 20 carries and is good. But I I like quarterbacks. Quarterbacks always to win the tiebreaker for us. Yeah, Brace Hall, full year younger than Lance. Coming into next season after not a great season, and could still be younger than Lance is going into this year. So I think this year, I mean, the value is going to be with the quarterbacks in the second round. I mean, if you start looking at like a, a lot of our a lot of startups between like 2019, 2020, 2019 specifically, it was a lot more running back heavy in that first round. Mm-hmm. It's now kind of turned more into like a really quarterback dominated area where there's a lot more. Most of the picks are going to be quarterbacks, and then sprinkled in with like Jefferson. Chase, you're going to lose Jonathan Taylor, probably Najee, maybe Swift, and then you get to the second round, and then that's where everything else is. So there's a ton of running back value in that range in the second round. So usually in that first round, you're going to be taking one of the top quarterbacks. So Lance doesn't usually end up falling to me there. Yeah, Lance will definitely be a first round draft yeah. pick if I'm anywhere near the 11 or 12 spot. Really? That's interesting coming from you. Yeah. I mean, now he's the starter, right? He gets named the starter. That was yeah. the concern. Was mm-hmm. When both him, Kyle Shanahan, and Jimmy G are all saying the same thing that Trey Lance is the starter. It was always the question mark for me of like, does Kyle Shanahan regret this pick? You just never know with him. He could throw his hands up and be like, third pick, who cares? He's trash. Throw him away. Mm-hmm. Like, but now that he's the guy, he's the guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So whether he liked Trey Lance or not, <laughs> he's gonna fall on that sword. He's gonna die on that sword. Every man dies, but not every man truly lives. Mm. More poetry. Wise words from Henry. <laughs> That's a Braveheart, Braveheart right there. How do you know mm. the words from that movie? I know. <laughs> I understood freedom. <laughs> yeah, 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 I got that one. The rest of it was like, what? What are they? Is this another language? <laughs> not, not to mention, I think that yeah. that movie came out before Henry was oh, born. Oh, definitely. That was like that. the eighties, hundred percent. Everything good was before yeah. Henry was born, including the conception. Everything. <laughs> everything. The conception Although he seems to be pretty good at like knowing the important things like have you ever watched because i was raised by my grandpa so it's like i'm i'm old i like his grandpa all right well your grandpa is obviously smart yeah yes yeah. All right. Is this going to be the year that Michael Thomas comes back into his past glory? Michael Thomas making his comeback. He's looking to be what? Wide receiver one for the Saints? Yeah, another, uh, you know, 1,400-yard season. Yeah, we're going to break the uh, single-season reception record again. Again. Back-to-back. Again. Back-to-back-to-back-to-back. Him and Cup both. Yep. And Michael Thomas is another good being, as we're going to talk a little bit about, like, redraft versus win now. Michael Thomas, fantastic. Fantastic redraft wide receiver mm-hmm. when we're looking at dynasty terrible rebuild but maybe a win now piece so he's a he's a good one for that subject that's one way to put it he's one of he's definitely one of my targets in those in those later rounds regardless of my team build the upside is tremendous with michael thomas is he probably going to hit the upside that everyone's hoping for probably not but he does but if anyone has the shot to do it it is him remember chris godwin running slants for Jameis winston when he couldn't see and now 
now he can see. So maybe there's some kind of chemistry that kind of puts together there. You can be hopeful. I mean, he could come back and have a couple of years of a wide receiver one, wide receiver two seasons, but it's unlikely after being off the field for two years at this point and not being the only wide receiver on the team. They still have Landry. Landry. They have Olave. It's a lot of people to spread the ball around to at this point. Late round value? Absolutely. Mid round value? You know, that's not really late round. It's more like a mid round value, but like in that Galladay range where the guys have that kind of upside, that's where I take him. Yeah. It's better than taking like Hopkins several, several, several rounds earlier. Or Keenan Allen. That was when I was going to comp it to. He's still younger than Keenan Allen. Yeah. It's like Allen will go probably top seven rounds of his startup. <laughs> top eight. Yeah, yeah, these guys will go like, you know, five to ten rounds earlier than Michael Thomas. Mm-hmm. And worst case scenario with Michael Thomas, he ends up on the IR. You save the roster spot. He ends up doing nothing. You can end up cutting him by the end of the year. At least with Keenan Allen, he's coming off of a decent season. With Michael Thomas, you really have to stretch that memory. And we talk about how Cooper Cup's older, but obviously was the best wide receiver last year. Where you put him, he's older than Cooper Cup. This isn't an investment that's going to pay off for years to come. So it's definitely more of a win now asset than rebuild, like Noble said there. Mike said last podcast, it's like, what kind of investment are we making here? Something between like 100 and 120 on taking someone who has proved that they can be the number one wide receiver in a season previously. There's definitely some risk involved, and it's probably a higher risk than even some of the guys that go around him. But the upside is proven already higher than a lot of these guys that go near him. So something where I like to pick a lot more now than I have previously. Michael Thomas rising in rankings. You did mention Keenan Allen there and kind of like comping like that. Keenan Allen's going in like the Rashad Bateman range. Yeah. You know, that, that's the kind of upside you're sacrificing when you're getting a guy that you're probably going to get a better season out of in Keenan Allen and probably not for long for Keenan Allen. That's what you're missing out on. The guy that we rank very highly and then you go to like Michael Thomas like what are you missing out on? Like the third running back on the Chargers. Maybe you're missing out on Isaiah Spiller. Maybe you're missing out on Price. Maybe you're missing out on Galladay. Like there's not like not like high upside young names you're really getting there. I still definitely prefer Spiller to Michael Thomas if you're inferring that he's the third. <laughs> yeah, th- th- that was a that was a bad comp. <laughs> I, I was like, wait a second, was that slander? I will I will take none of the Spiller slander. No, I immediately <laughs> regretted that name when I said it. <laughs> Spiller's still like 20 years old. I don't hate Spiller. He's a great value. But someone who goes near him mm. for me is like Chase Edmonds, Kareem Hunt. Yeah. yeah. Michael Thomas. I'll take Michael Thomas over Chase Edmonds and Kareem Hunt. Seems fair. I don't know. I like Kareem Hunt probably more than I like Edmonds, which is probably a hot take. I'm not in on Edmonds, man. Getting burned by him last year. Listen, if Henry's got a hot take, everybody needs to be listening because the guy is a psychic. And Chase Edmonds could be cut week three. I mean. Right after the Debo signing and the startup I have going on, I got Elijah Mitchell after both Kareem Hunt and Chase Edmonds. That's wild. Because people were so out on him because Debo's now, you know, the running back wide receiver combo mm. over there. He's taking over. Very just Tyrion Davis price fans. Big TDP. I mean, we are. He's a good value. You down with TDP? We're down with him. Mm-hmm. Yes. Thank you, Noble. <laughs> yeah, you know me. Too young for that one. <laughs> oh, Henry, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> we love you, Henry. <laughs> and your fact that you're a baby. It's fine. Henry, good input, old guys. <laughs> nice dated reference. It's all right. You know yeah. enough about yeah. older things. But what did you say to me the other day? Jeez, Papa, sometimes I swear you're so old. Hey, yeah, yeah. You said something. Oh, yeah. It was like about yeah, swimsuits. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was the dial phones, wasn't it? It yeah, was the dial phones. The rotary phones. I do constantly forget that Mike is as young as he is because you seem like an old soul like that's a good thing but i'm always
he's like, oh my God, yeah, Mike's a baby too. Damn. <laughs> Me and Nick are the old geezers of the chat. <laughs> he's, he's not like old kids on the porch old. <laughs> no, but he's not a new kid on the block either. But those kids should stay off my lawn. <laughs> <laughs> well. Get off my lawn old. Yeah. <laughs> milkshake brings all the boys to the yard, so. <laughs> mm, damn milkshakes. Do you want to touch on wide receivers as a whole here? Kind of go over the uh, Mechie and like Patrick stuff along with like maybe the Packers and Colts need to bring people in. Rip Patrick. Injuries. Injuries. You want to go to injuries here? Yeah. KJ Hamler season again. I just drafted him in my best ball. You should. I love KJ Hamler. He's a good best ball piece for sure. He was a second round pick. Yep. I, I was like, Nick, are you sure? He's way far down in ADP yeah. and he's like, uh, you could gamble on it, but I'm like, but he's probably way down there because of Tim Patrick. He's really fast. I remember the cup yeah. I gave him earlier. Yeah. yeah. He could be the locket there. He's Deshaun Jackson. I was pretty sneaky. Like, I feel like there were other people who were probably like, damn it. She knew he was there. <laughs> yeah, he's like one of those second round picks that could actually be a good receiver and not like a good punt returner like Tutu Atwell. I also got your man, Madison Henry. Madison. Who is younger than Najee? That's Henry's favorite fact. Madison. I did see someone on Twitter today that's like, Madison is the best to like cuff to have for Dynasty. And I'm like, hmm. Maybe. Like, hmm, maybe. Maybe the community's coming around. I have both of them in a forget week three, 2020, and I can't trade him or Pollard. Mm. Sound to me. I, I will, but you you probably want to send me like you pro you're probably over too, so you're not gonna help me. Oh well, I'll take it. Pollard's value is another guy where he will never have higher value than he currently does. Like sell on the hope of a guy, right? When when it was Chase Edmonds in Arizona and it was the hope of he's gonna be the running back one for Arizona. The hope of Pollard for some people is he's gonna take over for Zeke and be the Cowboys RB one for five years. That's what some people are thinking about Pollard right now. Really? How old is Pollard? I well, some people he's like 24. He's older than Najee. I'll tell you that. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how old he is. He could be a rookie this year, and people would still be a little bit insane think he's going to be a five-year starter for the Cowboys after this year. Yeah, people think that he's going to get the extension. Like he could be 22, and like at 23, he's not going to go five years. He is a running back for America's team. Why wouldn't they draft somebody younger? They will. Like why? I mean, he's filling his role nicely. Why would you think that he's just going to take over if he's already a little bit older and used? Why not trade that in for like a newer, younger model? They have so much money yeah. wrapped up in that backfield right now. They're not adding anything no. of value to it. I mean, not they will eventually. Not this year, though. Yeah. But like people think that Pollard's just going to end up being the guy there. Pollard's going to end up being the guy somewhere. And you can't, like I said, I've said several times, you can't just wish a player to be like a thing. Yeah. Yeah. People think Pollard is simply going to overtake Zeke as the RB1 in Dallas like this year. Yeah. If you can sell in that narrative for a guy that hasn't had more than 13 carries in a game in his career that he's somehow some like future three down bell cow stud sell him as that because he won't be yeah. Yeah, i'll take him as a flex option on a bye week when i need him but that's about it like he's or if zeke goes down i mean he could be good for decent games there i think he's good to have and sell mm -hmm. probably a good best ball guy i mean if you're loaded at running back though he's probably a, a sell for you i mean if you already have four or five starting running backs at, at that point you really don't need that kind of depth that at that point i would sell him but if you have like mm -hmm. three running backs that are like kind of like startable that you're running with and you and pollard's your fourth that's probably a guy i would keep or if you could acquire a guy like pollard that would be decent what if you already have zeke on your team and you have pollard what do you do with pollard moving them sell pollard run with zeke is it worth it to sell him you're you're drafting them back to back what? yeah, them yeah. Back to back. Is it, it, obviously you haven't drafted them back to back yeah. let's just say you have them on your roster like if you got them both on your roster right now i mean zeke has like no value in the dynasty community people don't
don't want to hear anything about Zeke. They don't want to buy Zeke. They'll maybe give you a second for Zeke. He's dead. He's ran the ball too much. He, he's completely dead. For some reason, a guy that's ran the ball pretty much, you know, gotten beat up as much as like Derrick Henry. He's just going several rounds later over all of these other older backs. So I'd probably run with Zeke um, and Pollard I'd be able to sell. Worst case scenario, if Zeke goes, I mean, best case scenario if you have both of them, if Zeke goes down, you have Pollard. I mean, worst case scenario, you lost out on the value of Pollard because Zeke doesn't go down. Or that's best case that you get yeah. Zeke the whole year. But I mean, best case is you get Zeke the whole year. Yeah. But I mean, if you have Zeke the whole year, you can't start both of them. And, like, no. And be able to get consistently get points. And if Zeke goes down, then you get Pollard, I guess, for the rest of the year. Yeah, that's a great strategy to lose. Play both yeah. of uh, teams running backs. Yeah. I don't see it. Speaking of going down, yeah, some injuries. Yeah, we got some injuries. Why don't we just, as a whole, we're going to do wide receivers. You guys can just kind of go down your list of who was looking good in camps, who was injured. Do you want to just take it one by one? One of my favorite uh, like late round values went down. Tim Patrick, torn ACL. You know, it sucks that I had so much Tim Patrick, but it's also kind of a great thing for fantasy players because now it's like sudden and Judy can be Metcalf and Lockett for Russ. And it's like, you're going to have two really good wide receivers with Russell Wilson. And then the potential of Hamler maybe becoming something. And then also, I think another kind of positive injury thing was like Chris Carson retiring. We kind of suspected that for a while. But if you were fading Ken Walker, I think now is a good time to get back in on him. Because Penny, again, on a one-year deal, oft injured, really has only had five games in his career where he looked good. And those are the five games we've seen most recently. Try not to have too much recency bias and think Benny's going to just be an, an animal now. You know, Ken Walker season. So it's not cue the music for DJ Dallas? <laughs> no. <laughs> Third down back, though. I hear he's getting that role potentially. Possibly. People also forget Penny's like the same, was like the, the same age as like Melvin Gordon was like last year with uh, Javante yeah. in there. And Walker's just getting faded a lot more than that. Like, oh, he can't catch passes. It's the same thing we said with Javante. He can't catch passes. I love the Walker to Javante comp. Yeah. That was always kind of my thing. That's good. That backfield, that's a good comp. Penny, the difference between Penny and Melvin Gordon is Melvin Gordon actually plays football. <laughs> and is good. And, and he's pretty good. Rashad Penny was good for five games, but against terrible defenses. People are really, really, for some reason, forgetting how often this guy has been injured. Like, it's not even like, oh, the guy gets hurt like a couple of games a year, or it's like kind of overblown, like with Dalvin Cook, where he tore his ACL and then like he misses a game or two a year, and one of them being for his father's funeral, which was insane that people like, you know, made a deal about that. Yeah. But Penny is just always hurt. The Dynasty community is fickle because it's a positive that Penny's always been hurt and is looking good now. And it's a negative that Zeke is never hurt. Yeah. It's like, if you asked people on Twitter, you're like, hey, Penny or Zeke Dynasty, it's going to be closer than it should be. <laughs> it is. It's a real possibility that the entire backfield this year is Ken Walker. I'd expect like a Gordon uh, Williams type split from last year, as long as Penny's healthy, that is. Yeah, I'm assuming that Penny is not healthy and that's a realistic assumption it's not I'm not, I'm not like you know pulling at straws here like oh let's hope Penny gets hurt like that this is very likely Gordon and Javante I really like that comparison mm -hmm. as like a floor mm -hmm. for Kenneth Walker we already know he's one of the youngest guys coming into this class like Javante was <laughs> yep so you've got years to go with him last year average points per game Gordon was 25th Javante was 26th they were back to back so if that Penny Walker back
backfield ends up being where they're like late RB2, early RB3, that's going to be like disappointing based on the investment price that you paid this year. But then it could be like this year where it's like, all right, if that's the baseline, it's probably better than that for Javante, probably worse than that for Gordon this year. If we're looking forward to next year, maybe we slice Penny and Walker the same way where Walker is going to be a little bit more sought after next year than this year. But I like that as like a floor for Kenneth Walker if he isn't able to like take control of that backfield. And a really uh, sad kind of injury thing is Mechie coming off the ACL, uh, gets diagnosed with leukemia out for the season. Potentially Nico Collins arrow pointing up there and then they have Brandon Cook still. Don't go add Chris Conley. Please, he's not worth a roster spot. No. Saw him trending and I was like, you're never going to play this guy. He's 28 and awful and is on the worst one of the worst offenses in football if you're rostering 400 people maybe he's not one of them <laughs> even if you're rostering 400 he's not worth it yeah give me some like undrafted rookie that i hope yeah. becomes james robinson or something speaking of undrafted rookies abram smith taking a ding recently as they signed malcolm brown to the saints mm-hmm. are these offensive players yeah man malcolm brown was really good he uh outran acres his rookie year oh i was i was kidding <laughs> <laughs> they're not well-known names he killed dokes oh man that was one of our long shots nick mm-hmm. Dude, i like dokes yeah honestly that's what abram smith is this year the guy that i rostered in a ton of leagues in like the fourth and fifth round abram smith mm-hmm. thinking that maybe camara gets suspended maybe he has a role he got a high udfa contract maybe he has some relevance and then malcolm brown isn't even relevant and that's more relevant than dokes was it's a possibility that that's what happens to abram smith this year Oh. And remember Tony Jones? Yeah, Tony Jones. He was hot for like two weeks. That was a name. There's a name. Yeah. <laughs> There's two first names for you. What was the best thing about Dokes, Mike? The best thing about Dokes? Dokes got jokes. The best thing about Dokes is he was an easy cut and he freed up a roster spot. Yeah. And you did not have to hold on to him. That's why that pick was better than taking a dart throw on a no-name tight end late in the draft because the no-name tight end would still be on your roster, on your taxi squad doing nothing, and you're hoping maybe in a couple of years he breaks out. And Dokes he was nothing, and you caught him, and, he, and you're going to take another dart throw this year to take that spot. Man, Noah Gray, there's someone that people just <laughs> loved. Yeah. Jelani Woods this year. Yes. <laughs> like He looked so good in camp. I saw like one, one, one post was like, Jelani Woods or like a 24 second. What? <laughs> what? Yeah. The second. Please. <laughs> it's like, obviously the second, like, no way. What do you mean, no way? What, what if what if Jelani Woods is Gronkowski, dude? <laughs> I don't know. What if the second is <laughs> I'm not waiting four years to find out. Yeah. I'm going to pick up Kyle Rudolph yeah. instead. Yeah. <laughs> Dokes and Gaskin were Nick and I's like late round dart throws in so many leagues together. He's like, who do you want here in like the 37th round? I'm like, we're definitely going Dokes. Yeah. Dokes is our man. I, when I would snipe what is that? My startups? Yeah, 41 round startup. Yes. Yep, yep. Dokes is a slow burning love. Yeah, yeah. The Dokes tree. And anyone who who falls under that. But you know what? Like, Gaskin hit for a year or two, and there's our Where's Waldo of the podcast, because I had to mention Gaskin. Where is Waldo? Speaking of Gaskin, I'm just waiting for him to get cut here in this preseason. Like, this is the last podcast we're going to have before preseason here. So you're trying to hurt my feelings? (laughs) It could be a good thing. It could be. Trying to break my heart? Watch him end up being cut and then signed by the most RB needy team. (gasps) Oh, so you're saying there's a chance. 
Falcons. <laughs> the Steelers. Falcons. Like, if BYU linebacker convert rolls his ankle in week one of preseason, they sign Gaskin after week three after he's cut. It could be a possible resurgence. For whatever reason, Gaskin is still rostered in like 87% yeah. of the league. So you're not alone, Noble. Yeah. You, you, there's many behind you holding a similar torch. I know. I know. I'm creating a Gaskin trend. I did the llama <laughs> trend, and now it's the Gaskin trend. I know it's a new coaching regime in Miami, but that backfield just over the last like four years has been a graveyard. It's been like Lynn Bowden, Dokes, Jordan Howard got a huge contract, nothing. Lynn Bowden's a wide receiver. Gaskin. Nick, this is like one of our co-managed leagues. <laughs> We have all of these players. <laughs> That's why I'm fading Edmonds. That's part of the reason why I like Sony Michelle so much this year at cost. At cost, yeah. Because you can get him after 200 and some players are taken off the board. And then you can invest in Michelle, and he could end up being... That's why I love Mostert, too. The most valuable running back on that roster. Mostert, the Will Fuller of running backs. Yeah. If he starts, throw him in. Yep. If and when. Chase Edmonds has been crowned the starter by the fantasy community, but... But it isn't set in stone. It was last year. That's something I'm watching in preseason. What was the difference in the contract numbers? Between who? Edmonds and... Uh, Edmonds and Most Hurt and Sony Michelle. Minimal. Most Hurt. Most Hurt was like four million. Edmonds was like seven or eight. And Michelle was like yeah. pennies. Yep. And Most Hurt is supposedly healthy. Had a big like giant thing taken out of his knee. It's supposed to make him better now. He's always healthy at random points in the offseason. He's always healthy before he's unhealthy. Also the most familiar with the San Fran system there. Yeah. I think helps him a little bit. And as Noble likes to say, the most hurt. <laughs> yes. Should I be thinking him or Sony Michelle in my best ball league? Like you guys have me thinking like that would be probably good boomer bust. Most hurt maybe. Addition. Michelle uh, no. No? no. I, I think it's like mid or bust with either one. <laughs> mid or bust. <laughs> it's not like you're going to have huge games out of one or the other unless somehow Michelle becomes like Jordan Howard plus where he gets multiple touchdowns and less than 50 yards a game and for mm. some reason he cracks your starting lineup. Neither ones are ones I'm excited about for best ball but Ooh. probably more in weekly fantasy. A Jordan Howard game. Because if one were to go down you're going to like the other. Yeah Jordan Howard man. Yeah three carries, two yards, two touchdowns. Three touchdowns yeah. Some <laughs> ridiculous every time. Nice. One of the Mike Evans seasons that started off it was like yeah he started off the year with like four catches for like three yards and three touchdowns or something. Yep, it was ridiculous. Something weird over the course of a couple of games. All right, we got Justin Ross on the IR. Yeah, that was a while ago. I... His name's not Justine. Well, we're talking about broken news, so it can be a while ago. <laughs> I told everyone that would listen to not draft him, mm -hmm. and nobody listened. <laughs> I told people not to draft him high. We all listen to you. I Okay. Henry, I didn't even know he existed, so... <laughs> Iowa and Mike listened. No one else listened. I would totally, I would have totally have drafted him if he was a value at the time when I would have been able to draft him. I saw him going to like the late second in some rookie drafts. Like what? I know it was getting, it was getting insane. It's just Chiefs. That's what happened to Sky Moore too. Jeez. Yep. Mm. One of the worst trades I saw this offseason was trading back from 212 to 3.01 to pick Justin Ross. Terrible decision. Basically for me, he was like ranked at the very end of the third round. 
to the fourth round where usually even at the end of the third round there was somebody I had ranked higher on the board still where I didn't have to take Justin Ross. Yeah. But I had him ranked right there with Romeo Dubs who's kind of been like a camp standout. So yep. you know when you're picking in your third round that 30-40% of these guys are going to end up making your roster are going to be worth rostering. And then like when you get to the fourth, fifth round it's like one of those guys that are picked in those two rounds are going to end up being on your roster at the end of the year. Yep. So you're 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 throwing darts and some of them are like real long rainbow darts like Ross. Yeah, Ross was like a between the legs blindfolded no look like 360 opposite hand dart from 800 million miles away. And the wildest <laughs> part is that it's because of his neck and his back and his spine yeah. that he is rated like that. He's on IR for his foot. Right. It's <laughs> not even the, the reason we were fading him that is the reason he's on IR. We're just adding yet another area of his body to worry about. His surgery again on that problematic foot. I got the upside of Justin Ross. That's what people would always cling to. I understand mm-hmm. it. He was great in college. Mm-hmm. It's unfortunate. Like kind of a reminiscence of Thaddeus Moss where people, you know, it's a, it's a name you've heard in college. He was pretty good, but just not going to happen. That's not why you heard his name in college. You heard his name. Right, yeah. That's not why people liked him. Yeah, you heard the name, though, because he was on LSU. He was LSU's tight end, and then he was also, like, related to Randy Moss. Yeah, like his son? So Yeah, son or something. To me, yeah. to me now, Justin Ross is Justin plus one roster spot Ross <laughs> because he's sliding down to my IR, and we'll see what happens next offseason. Yep. All right. I think the Cowboys wide receiver room got interesting. Mm-hmm. Did it? Because you have Gallup in the notes. I'm not entirely sure why. Is he, like, getting healthy, had a setback, something? Yeah. The news with Gallup is that he is much less likely to be available at the beginning of the season than what was best case scenario. Mm -hmm. So if Gallup ends up on Pup, then suddenly... And then James Washington went down, and now it's Jalen Tolbert's season. Exactly. C.D. Lamb, top five wide receiver season. Locked in. Pollard, wide out. Pollard in the slot season. Really? It's kind of down the line as far as thinking with Pollard, but the camp reports are like lining up in the slot. Mm-hmm. Lining up out there at the same time as Zeke. They're going to be used at the same time. They can't both hold the ball. They interview Jerry Jones and they're like, how involved is Zeke is going to be? It's like he's going to have to be. Both are going to have an opportunity. I think both are going to be viable for fantasy. I think even more so now because last year when wide receivers were hurt and whatnot, that's part of when Pollard was snapping before he was dealing with like an injury that he even played through. There's an option there where a Dak level offense has an open chair. Could be Will Fuller. And it's not going to be any of these other guys. If it's going to be anybody, it's going to be Tolbert. Could be. Yeah, it's not going to be Noah Brown. I was going to say Will Fuller. The Cowboys make moves. They just signed Anthony Barr. They actually go out and spend and sign people, unlike the Colts and Packers. Yeah, they could realistically bring somebody in. You see that with Julio. Goes from barely drafted when you draft 300 players to, uh, I don't know, now he's at least in the 200 and somethings, Mm -hmm. at least depending on how, you know, optimistic you are. A similar rise could happen for Fuller here, especially if he went to the Cowboys. You get that star next to their name, they their ADP goes up three rounds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, Dak throws a ton of yards. That's another example of tight ends on a good team. Dalton Schultz, yeah. he's not a special tight end. He's not. Don't try to tell me. He was getting beat out by Blake Jarwin until he got hurt. He was like a fifth-round draft pick. He's not a star. Anybody you put on that team at tight ends going to put up numbers. That's what I'm saying about tight ends. It's give me the offense of the team. Tanyan, Robert Tanyan. 
pushback with Schultz, which like listening back through the other podcasts, I was like, man, where the previous season in PPR, Schultz was 12. Yeah, then tight end three or something. The risk with him was Jarwin and the hope with him was Jarwin truthers. Who Who is it going to be? Is it going to be split? Is it going to be just one? Jarwin figured that out himself by getting hurt. So he cleared that up for you. I get that. But Jarwin had never been good before. He was like week 17 of one season or something. And he was the number one tight end going into the year. It was like... He was a camp hype. He was a camp hype too. His value is purely reception, not production. Speculation. Mm -hmm. So like when we compare like... They call it the Troutman. Yeah. Players changing teams like Janu, who the only time he ever cracked a tight end one is when he scored like 140 points in a season where he's scoring less than 10 points a game is the only time Janu was relevant and then oh he changed teams and he became irrelevant. Schultz was tight end three dude. Mm -hmm. Schultz was way better than any of these other guys are talking Jarwin and Janu. Schultz was way better than that. If you're taking him for this year you're taking him with Dak and like obviously James Washington Gallup injuries Jarwin. It looks good for Schultz this year and as you guys expressed the concern really is next year because there isn't really a contract there backing it. He's better than a lot of these other examples we used as players who have like changed teams or other players we've liked on the same team. Nobody there has been a tight end three before. What I'm saying about Schultz though is next year when he inevitably changes teams because they're not going to get a contract done. It's going to be Austin Hooper to the Browns. It's going to be Jonah to the Patriots. It's going to be tight end that's a top five tight end and then goes to a different team, isn't utilized. I don't like his long term. I love him this year. I love Schultz this year. And that's saying that you're just assuming as fact that they're not going to work out a contract, which they still could. Right. Yeah, they could. I don't think they are allowed to negotiate until the end of the season if he's tagged. I think they missed the window for the extension or something. I don't know how exactly how that works, but they could after the year. It could happen. Could get tagged again or something weird. And he could end up in a sweet spot as well. So I'm hearing Schultz is a great redraft guy. Schultz. I, I love him for redraft yeah. win now. I love Schultz. Especially for redraft. Especially for win now. Rebuild, there's definitely the questions as Henry and Mike have yep. stated here that changing teams there is some risk there. But I think that a lot of the examples that we use as reasons to worry for tight ends changing teams, a lot of them haven't ever reached the level that Schultz has reached. I mean, Austin Hooper was tight end six in Atlanta and then goes to Cleveland and just dies. And maybe in his best landing spot now. Yeah, I really like Schultz this year. I, I think top six if he's healthy. I mean, I really do. It's just a question of when you're like debating him versus like Goddard or something, it's like easy for me to go Goddard because I'm like, he's in Philly, he's paid. We've seen it in Philly and that's going to be where it is. For Schultz, it's like he wasn't the second round pick Goddard was. He's not the athletic freak Goddard is. It's like, I like Schultz almost like I like Knox. It's like, you know, eh, yeah. replaceable. And like you expressed in previous episodes how, or at least we talked about how tight end is topsy-turvy. Yep. Like you go year to year to year and you don't see like the same repeats 12, 1 to 12, 1 to 12, 1 to 12. Like there are some guys like Kelsey mm. that are there every single year. But for the most part, it's just like it's a rotating door. So there's always that risk with like Schultz that, you know, he's like rotating doored out. But knowing that the vast majority of tight ends, it's a crapshoot whether they're going to be back in that tight end one category in the next year. Who would you rather bet on? The one who's been tight end three before or the one that you hope could make it to that tier? That's where I'm at with Schultz is where like I'm banking on him this year with more of like a redraft, a win now, mm -hmm. 
perspective with him and like the tight end position as a whole just because it's it's even more replaceable than wide receiver because you can find tight end ones off of off-season off-season waivers where wide receiver is not as likely. I just hate the the price of Schultz. That's yeah. what it is. It's like I hate paying tight end five price for someone. It's like he's the first question mark in tight end. It's like all the guys above him, you know that they're good. You know where they are, everything. It's like Schultz, for me, is the first question mark. And then you start getting to the guys after him, and you have like the actual player profiles and the draft capital and the investments in them. Like Komet. Like Komet, like, like mm-hmm. Fant, like even Gusecki, where like you've actually just seen, you know, over years, just like that production, that profile you like. And Schultz is just, he, he's a, he is the piece of the offense in Dallas. And anybody. He's a byproduct of and, this situation. Anybody could be that piece there. It's not like he's like, like you said, he's not a spectacular athlete. He's not like this crazy prospect. He's just the guy who's on Dallas right now. And if he continues to be the guy in Dallas, if he signed an extension, trust me, he's yeah. my... Oh, I'm in on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, anybody who wants to go, anybody at tight end who's going to get paid by Dallas and Dak is throwing them the football, I'm in on that. Yeah. My only argument here is with Henry saying he's not special because anybody born on 7-Eleven is special. <laughs> that being said, I'll turn this over to you, Nick. <laughs> I think that, in fact, makes him more special because he is Thank born on the you. same day as the Queen. Oh, he's royalty. Yeah. <laughs> Sir Dalton Schultz. Yep. Yeah. He's one step away from royalty. Prince Schultz. Yeah. And while yes. you're disrespecting my birthday, buddy, I would just like to tell you to back off. No. <laughs> I just bumped him up in my rankings. Thank you. If the reason you move Schultz down is because he's on Cowboys offense and he could be not on Cowboys offense next year, I'd go back to the rotating door at tight end. That's why he's moved down, though, is the rotating door. Like, you already know that unless you're Kelsey or Kittle or yeah. probably Pitts or Andrews, mm-hmm. that it's going to be a rotating door anyways. Why wouldn't you rather take the gamble at the player who's going to be good this year? And it looks like a really good bet. And then, just like all the other tight ends in a rotating door, at worst, he's in that same rotating door. Who knows who's going to be? At best, he's extended, and then you're confident that he's there. That's part of what just keeps him above a lot of the hopefuls like Friermuth and Komet, where it's like, yeah, these guys are younger. Yeah, these guys have sweet profiles. Maybe I'd rather have the guy that I know this year and then is still in that rotating door next year than the guy that I hope can make it there and then, you know, would potentially have a, a longer shelf life. He's just at an ADP. But the problem is is, is Dalton uh, Dalton Schultz isn't in the conversation with like Komet and and the other guys. He's in the conversation with Hawk. Right, he goes so much higher. He's like he's like he's like with Hawk. Yeah, he's near Hawk. Mm-hmm. He's he's before Goddard. Like he's in that range. He's like in the range of like where you want the profile plus the situation. Like it's great if you want to take a tight end for like a win now or like a, that type of situation for the high numbers they're going to have for a year. But you, for him, I got to treat him more like Zach Ertz, and I can get him for a hell of a lot cheaper. Yeah, it's the tight end dead zone. It's there's a lot of guys comparable. Like if I'm taking a tight end in that range, I just absolutely want Hawk. Mm-hmm. Or I'm, I'm gonna want that because I, I want the profile. Like who cares if Hawk, if if TJ Hawkinson isn't on the Lions next year? I really don't care where he goes. He's gonna be able to put up numbers. Can Dalton Schultz do that? Yep, and that's the difference between ADP and like actual draft position. Like our pool party mm. last episode. Very rarely are you gonna get to choose between Marquise Brown and Schultz because Schultz is gonna be long gone. Which is absurd. Be, that is so absurd. It shouldn't be. Right, that's my argument. But it's because you're trying to fill out a starting roster in the first 10 rounds of your draft. Yeah, don't do that. That you overpick Schultz to make your roster starting 10 picks look better as
as a whole, complete, balanced thing. And people panic. They see Kelsey, mm-hmm. Pitts, Andrews, Hawkinson, those top, like, Kittle. Kittle, Waller even. And then it's like, the next guy up is Schultz. And so the next guy up always gets reached for. They're like, mm-hmm. tight ends are going, I don't want to be, it's another, you know, 20 picks to my next pick. I don't want the next group of tight ends to go and they take Schultz yeah. a round or two early. Mm-hmm. That's why you stay out of the middle. Right. And you could just, like, wait, like, four or five rounds and get, like, Fant. Yeah. Yep. You know, like, you could just wait later and get value. You can wait even later and get Ertz. Yep. Ertz has gone really early sometimes. Yep. It's one of those things where it's, like, the aesthetically pleasing look to the start of your draft where you overtake Schultz to make it look like you have one of the better tight ends in your starting 10 picks or whatever. Very rarely do you get to choose between, like, Marquise Brown and, and Schultz, like we were saying there. It's wild, like you said, because Schultz would go higher, but then as soon as the draft ends, you can't trade Schultz for Marquise Brown. No shot. Like, they're not going to take that deal, but yet Schultz went higher than Marquise Brown. Yeah. So that's one of those advantages where if you just stay out of the middle, mm-hmm. you just don't take those tight ends that are in the middle that are boosted up to fill out a roster. Not because of actually they deserve to be there, but boosted up because of filled out a roster. You're doing yourself, you know, a good service to avoid those mid-range guys. But really, just draft for value. Don't even look at what your positions are. It's dynasty. Like, draft value. Don't worry about bye weeks. Don't worry about, oh, I don't have a tight end yet. It's round number seven. Like, why are you doing that? You can trade. You have so long to trade. You can trade all offseason. You can trade during the preseason. You can trade during the season. You can trade after the season. There are so many different things you can do. And, and you still have rookie drafts. Like, you don't need to go ahead and, like, perfect this, like, redraft roster while you're doing your first 10 rounds. That's not going to get you there. Let's say I reached and I got Gasecki and I got Njoku. And then it was like, now I've got, like, four tight ends. I'm only going to play, like, one of them. I really want to sell one of them. And you're going to pick the wrong one every week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I really want to sell one of them. Mm-hmm. And you, someone who didn't take those mid-tight ends, are in need of tight end. So we have a, a seller market and a buyer market there. Every year. As someone who fades those mid-rounds tight ends, puts you at a need for tight end, makes it where it's like, mm-hmm. Kai Rudolph is available on free agency. Yeah, I'm going to pick him up. Right. I don't have to worry that I didn't get a great tight end. I've got three decent ones. I've got, mm-hmm. and I'll figure out what I'm doing with that. But, you know, if you have those deeper guys, you know, you have something you want to trade and us being people who fade the mid-range to late round to just taking value at tight end, we're buyers and we've got depth at everything else because we didn't pick tight end early. It's such an interesting position because Schultz was a guy that was free two years ago on waivers mm-hmm. and Tunyon was free on waivers exactly. before and every year there's like some guy, it's going to be Hayden Hurst potentially this year. Oh yeah. Mike and I were like holding Hayden Hurst for dear life. Like this guy was the tight end 10 and then they drafted Pitts. If he goes somewhere else, he was the tight end 10 and people are going to be shocked potentially by whoever the tight end this year is. People are going to be like, who could have seen that coming? It's like, it happens every year. And like, really like what is a big part of the tight end position scheme, offensive playbook, coaching, like just and need have the whole system set up touchdowns. Okay. Touchdowns. Who did Burrow really like to throw to? Like that was worth absolutely nothing. Uzama. Like, and now you have a better Uzama. But Schultz got helped a lot by the Cowboys uh, wide receiver injuries potentially. Yeah. That definitely could help him first couple weeks. Solidified the case. Yeah. Yep. So we are probably getting down on time, but I definitely. Oh, definitely. (laughs) 
I do want to touch on, we talked about redraft versus win now and that strategy. So how do you want to do this as far as kind of quick and easy? What's the biggest difference for each of you guys between a redraft ranking and a win now ranking? For me, the biggest difference between a redraft and a win now ranking is you cannot fill a dynasty team with a redraft roster. You can't just go solely based on, on, on redraft roster. You actually have to kind of build some layers in there or you're just going to end up with, you might have a team that wins for a year, but it can kind of fall apart really quickly, especially if you're trading picks into it and kind of buying players or selling out future years. How great in a couple of years is a roster of, you know, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Julio Jones, Austin Eckler, Eric Henry, Ezekiel Elliott, Travis Kelsey going to look, especially when you've sold your 23 and your 24 first round picks. You definitely want to build kind of a layer where you have players coming in every year or you have good depth to the point where you can actually kind of refill your roster throughout the years. I think my biggest difference between redraft and uh, win now is kind of draft strategy, right? I never am going to go into a dynasty draft thinking win now team unless it's like paid and it kind of goes that way or whatever. But typically I'm not like win now. Win now for me in dynasty is like mid-season almost. I'm like, I'm going to go buy Keenan Allen because mm-hmm. it's his last year and he's going to be cheap from the team that sucks and that has him. Like last year I was in a league where I acquired uh, Aaron Jones and Melvin Gordon like two weeks before playoffs and those are players that I would never have but in redraft uh, give me Aaron Jones give me Eckler um, those guys are super relevant but even in win now it's like I'd so much rather have like Najee or Swift and win now than those guys they're going to score equal points but in redraft if he scores 20 more points then he was the better player but in dynasty you still want the the younger player I mean in our, in our uh, what was it uh, super flex 21.3 now how great was it looking when Brady retired for your team oh really bad yeah it was looking real well that was also right when Wentz was like out of a job yeah. so I had like Zach Wilson and then Brady retired and Wentz with no job <laughs> so it was looking really bad there for like a week or two so basically if you're in a league with Henry and he comes for some of those players he's basically telling you hey your team sucks and I need these players yeah that guy got eliminated <laughs> from playoff contention and put both those guys on the block and no one bit at all and I basically got Melvin Gordon for third and Aaron Jones for like a second that guy still sucks. <laughs> that guy still sucks. <laughs> His team's even worse now. It's got Big Ben. Nick, how are you treating uh, redraft versus win now in Dynasty? The biggest difference for me is defined by future. With redraft, like Noble said before, I really like redraft because I shoot my shot, and if it doesn't work, I get to start <laughs> over fresh the next year. Throw them all back into the pot. <laughs> With Dynasty, you're left holding the bag if you try to do that. So the idea is to win now and in the future. Try to target players that are good now and aren't facing a cliff. I love the quote from Mike. You target players where their trajectories are pointing up. You buy them now, they might be good for this season, but their trajectories, they're pointing up. You know they're going to be worth as much or more within a year. So that's like where your win now and your redraft start separating is the fact that you have to take future into account. With redraft specifically, 
typically. It's often shorter benches, less total rostered number of players. And that makes the mid-range guys worth less and your top range guys worth more. So the, so you the get sexy into, guys. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so you get into redraft. How I've always played it is two parts. One, scarcity at the position for what I think could be the best assets. And two, playoff and schedule. Typically for redraft season, once preseason is done, I will have worked through the players and decided, okay, these guys have sweet playoff schedules and decent schedules. These are my targets for redraft because you're really only focusing on this one season and trying to win in this one season. As long as you're good enough during the season, you just want to be better than your opponent for weeks 15, 16, and 17. So for redraft, I'm targeting more players that have good playoff matchups and then good seasonal matchups and then addressing the acquisition of those players by scarcity. So really similar to like a lot of our strategies, there's only a handful of running backs who I really have confident in bell cow or near bell cow roles. So, you know, you're focusing on those players. So for redraft, obviously I'm probably going to be one of the more RB centric teams because if the benches aren't longer, you're streaming those mid-range wide receivers. There's so many more of them and there's so fewer bell cow RBs that appear out of that mid-range than wide receivers. Yeah, but also kind of affects like a lot of redraft is one QB, which is super weird. For us, uh, we play Superflex Dynasty pretty much exclusively. Gross. Yeah. Yeah, gross one QB. I don't um, know. A lot of my redrafts are um, they're, they're getting better. super flex. Yeah, they're getting better for sure. Yeah. I mean, I mean, another big difference is like the mistakes in Dynasty are compounding year after year. If you make a couple mm -hmm. of bad trades, mm -hmm. you know, like if you went in on like Todd Gurley and David Johnson a few years ago, I'm sure you paid a lot for them and sacrificed years of your team. Probably really screwed them up. And it's pretty easy to do. Yeah, Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, Christian McCaffrey <laughs> going in on him. Quads even. Yeah, sadly. We'll save it for future shows, but that's probably the reason why like buying picks now isn't necessarily the worst idea because everybody thinks they have a chance. There was a season, it was a couple of years ago, where I had Barkley, CMC, Dak, <laughs> and a couple other guys where it was just like half Get my team was on the IR within a week or two of the season. You think you look good, and then you find out once the shoes start to fall with who gets hurt where, your team isn't as good. Right now, people are going to be more willing to part with those picks than once they realize their team is falling apart. All right. Well, good, good information. That's good stuff between Dynasty and Redraft. I do value the tight end position a little differently. In Redraft? In Redraft. Because, like, in Redraft, it's like... Absolutely. It's like, Kelsey's awesome. Even if I'm win now, I'm probably not trying to trade for Kelsey. Like, I'll try to trade for a really good tight end, but I'd prefer to go trade for Kittle. Whereas in redraft, it's like Kelsey, man. <laughs> if I trade yeah. for Kelsey, it's often like midseason, which one of my leagues that I won a couple years ago was a trade with Mike where he sent me Montgomery and Kelsey. And they were some of the best players to have during the playoff weeks. They yep. had great schedules and, you know, they were on some of the most championship rosters. Those are when it's like, I'm already set up to be in the playoffs. I'm trying to win this mm -hmm. year. It's not like it's July or August where there's a lot of things that are going to go down that change values between now and then. I'd rather go mid-season where I only have to look forward six weeks. And you know who's not going to get injured. Mm -hmm. like who, I already you know. know who's injured. Yeah, you already know who got injured. Through the first half of the season. Yeah, 
that's a big thing for me. Well, and quarterbacks is another huge difference. So anytime I feel like in a dynasty, you're always looking to have a quarterback that's got some longevity and you're staying away from the Brady's and even Rogers, you know, Matt Ryan. Whereas you can wait, especially if it's a one quarterback uh, redraft league, you can wait forever to Don't draft, draft a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Right. You could probably pick up a quarterback every week on waivers, mm-hmm. but you're going, well, I'm going to take all the value and the other positions and I'm going to wait because I'll play Matt Ryan. I don't care. It's one quarterback, even if you have a super flex league, but I'm targeting Tom Brady every single time in a redraft because he's an amazing redraft quarterback, but you're not taking him in a dynasty unless you absolutely have to because you faded that position and that's all there's left. Like Jalen Hurts. I'm just getting all the quick jabs this episode. (laughs) If I could get in one statement for our redraft listeners listening to a dynasty podcast it's draw the line in the sand with your qbrb wide receiver tight end ranks where the guys you think could be some of the best at their position and try to map it out where you're going to end up with as many players you think could be one of the better players at their position on your team as you can so often that is going to be taking some of the rbs earlier and some of the wide receivers later because whoever got digs a couple years ago won their league whoever got cup last year won their league whoever drafted jalen hurts late last year won their league so you're targeting the baseline find out where you want to draw the line and then focus on creating a plan where you can get as many of those players as possible probably don't take eckler at adp yeah not at adp so tomorrow i am partaking in a mock redraft draft with zach attack had invited me he's one of our tried and true fans and listeners thanks for listening so i will be doing a fast draft mock draft for redraft that's a lot of draft So that'll be interesting because, you know, I hate fast drafting. Like, I had to step out on this one. I'm like, um, okay. Under pressure. Yeah, I know. I'm like, so, Nick, I'm going to need you on standby about 8 p.m. Eastern time. I've got 30 seconds. <laughs> like, oh, my God, Nick, Nick. But I figured that might not be a bad idea because I have my live draft next week in Vegas. FaceTiming. Redraft. You guys, I'm freaking out, but um, I'm going to have to somehow bring a paper bag to breathe in because I legit am the gif or jif, however you say it, of Sheldon breathing in a bag every time I go to pick. Mm. So when I send that, I'm legitimately in that state. I'm like, you know, the funny thing is this is actually what I look like currently. Mm. Oh, it's weird. I have such strange, I, I don't know if it's commitment issues <laughs> and I'm like, but if I I pick him it's forever because i hate to trade <laughs> one thing i know you can commit to is getting us out of here in style yeah let's do it we're done so we hope that this was informative for all of your dynasty and some of your redraft needs trying to expand our listeners and hit a few different areas that we haven't previously hit on but we certainly hope that we made all of your fantasy dreams come true like always you can find us on social media you can find me on twitter at noble g underscore ff you can find me at sleeper on 
um, at Noble G711. I almost said Knobleg. It is Knobleg. <laughs> Inside joke. That's Inside joke. I, it, I know. It, it, Knobleg711. It's supposed to say Noble G. It is important to capitalize letters. <laughs> Otherwise, it becomes Knobleg. Papa, mm -hmm. tell them where they can find you. Uh, below at symbol underscore Papa Bearclaw on uh, Twitter and just regular Papa Bearclaw on Sleeper App. Henry, Mr. Clark Kent, where are they finding you? Oh, on Twitter at ClairvoyanceFF and on the Sleeper App at Clairvoyance. Yes, and if you need him to give you any psychic readings, I'm sure he's got some tarot cards and some predictions he can Never give wrong. you. Sometimes early. <laughs> and of course... The king of the podcast, Nick James, where are they finding you? You can find me with two perfectly working legs, unlike every member of this podcast, at Iowa in the NFL on Twitter, and you can find this podcast at Rank Draft Trade. Perfect. That wraps up another episode of the Rank Draft Trade podcast. We hope you enjoyed listening, and tune in next week for more podcast fun. Rank Draft Trade. Cheese go. Oh, yeah. Chisco. Chisco! He made it! He made it! I love it.